patrons heard this episode ad-free first. You can become a patron too and enjoy all of the benefits like an extra bonus episode each month and a shout out in an episode as well as early ad-free releases of regular episodes if you head over to patreon.com slash the Murder Diaries pod or you can click the link in our show notes. Welcome back to another episode of the Murder Diaries. I'm Paige and co-host Natalie is out this week recovering from surgery. If you follow us on Instagram, you've probably seen her posting about it. If you want to know more about what we're up to, head over to Instagram at the Murder Diaries pod. Now to today's case. Ashley Ann Love was born September 17, 1990 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She's the only daughter of Tammy and Joe Love. She's the middle child. She has an older brother, Anthony, and a younger brother, Alex. Alex was about 10 years younger than Ashley. She was very nurturing and loving with him. Her mother told Milwaukee Magazine, Ashley was the sweetest, kindest person in the world. She would do anything for anyone. Ashley wasn't the kind of person that liked to attract attention to herself. She would often hide how intelligent she was. Her dad, Joe, loved her big laugh and her long hair that she never wanted to cut. Unfortunately, Ashley's life was taken from her in her own home by a masked intruder. This is her story. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Ashley loved to spend time with her family and friends. And again, she was very close with her younger brother, Alex. If you watched the documentary about her life and subsequent death, It's filled with home videos and pictures of Ashley laughing, dancing, and singing. She was living her best life. You can check that documentary out at the link in our show notes. It's on Vimeo. Ashley learned how to bake at a young age, and she loved it. She also grew up playing croquet, pool, basketball, softball. She never missed a chance to cheer on her local Wisconsin teams like the Brewers, the Bucks, and the Green Bay Packers. Ever the Millennial, Ashley loved Harry Potter. She read all of the books and saw what movies had come out in her lifetime. She loved going to the movies, actually. She also loved listening to music and playing board games with her friends. When she was 16, she started her first job at Arby's at the Mayfair Mall. Her mother told GM today she just loved her job. It was like her second family, everybody she worked with. I know some people think that's odd, but she just loved going to work. She's just fun-loving and carefree. She was always laughing, always smiling. She really was kind to everybody, just lovable and enjoyed life. Her coworkers describe her as hardworking and a friend to everyone. But one of her coworkers told Fox 6 now, she brought people up. That's part of what we loved about her. Ashley graduated at the top of her class with honors from Pius XI High School in June of 2009. After graduation, she took some time to explore career options. She hadn't yet decided what she wanted to do. She chose to continue to live at home with her parents and work at Arby's until she figured out what it was she wanted to do with her life. That takes us all the way to 2008. On October 5th, 2008, it was just another day for the Love family. Ashley had worked a closing shift at Arby's, and when that shift was over, Tammy came and picked her up, and they headed home. That evening, the family watched a Packers game together as well. 
It was a big game. The Packers were playing the Vikings in Minneapolis. And some of you might know, they are pretty big rivals. On top of that, this game was going to decide who was going to be the wild card for the playoffs. The first half looked really good for the Packers, but going into the second half, Vikings quarterback Brett Favre came in strong and the Vikings won. It was a disappointment for Ashley for sure as a diehard Packers fan, but there was always next year. And after that game was over, Ashley took a shower as normal and went to bed. The rest of the family went to bed as normal as well. And they were all sleeping peacefully when something woke Ashley's mom, Tammy, at about 2 a.m. There was no sound, but just something woke her up. She had this horrible feeling of just dread and foreboding. That's when she heard footsteps outside her bedroom door. Someone was running down the stairs. She opened her bedroom door to see a man standing on the other side of the door. He was holding a shotgun. A bandana was covering the lower part of his face. Kind of like picturing a bank robber in an old Western movie. Tammy stood and stared at him, and he stared back at her. Then she screamed, Take whatever you want and please leave. The man ran out through the side door. As he was running out, Tammy thought she heard something else outside, like a flash. Then she thought she saw someone else running away with the man that had been in her house. There was two of them. Tammy yelled at Joe to check on Ashley. Her room was upstairs. The man had been running down those stairs when she first saw and heard him. Joe went into her room calling her name, Ashley, Ashley. No answer. He went into the dark room and approached her bed. As his eyes adjusted to the dark, he saw blood. Then he saw that Ashley's face was injured. Joe and Tammy's beloved daughter was dead. Joe began to scream, who would do something like this? Tammy couldn't bear to look. She felt as if someone had reached into her chest and ripped her heart out. The pair called 911 immediately, and when the police arrived, the investigation got started. Tammy, having come face-to-face with the intruder, gave his description to police. She said he was a Hispanic male, about 20 years old, average height, average build, short, black, spiky hair. He was wearing a sweater or sweatshirt, maybe a hoodie that zipped up in the front, and again had a bandana tied over his face. Soon, news of Ashley's murder began to spread around the community. Her extended family and her friends and coworkers were all in shock when they heard about it. One of her coworkers expressed disbelief when he heard the news. I was surprised. Ashley didn't hang out with a crowd that would bring that sort of thing around her. Her friend Kayla told the journal Centennial that she couldn't comprehend what had happened to Ashley. Ashley's best friend since kindergarten, Kayla, told the journal Centennial she was the kind of person who loved everybody. Somebody could hurt her and she would still love them. She would still care. It's really hard to believe that someone could do this to her. It's heartbreaking. She did not deserve it. Investigators have held information about the investigation very close to the vest. There's really not a lot of information out there, even today. When I was researching for the case, I couldn't even find out what color the bandana was. Now, we do know that investigators did a search of the house, and they collected evidence from Ashley's room and the rest of the house, too. But again, no details as to what evidence may have been found. The intruder didn't take anything from the home, so robbery was ruled out as a motive, at least. That means that Ashley may have been a target for some yet unknown reason. 
During the initial search of the home, dogs were brought in to follow the footpath of the intruder or intruders. They followed the scent through the backyard along the creek until they reached the street. That's when the dogs lost the scent. This could mean that there was a car waiting for the intruder or intruders, whoever was in the house and whoever was running away with the person that was in the house that night. Investigators went through Ashley's social media profiles and looked for friends or acquaintances that might fit the description of the man who broke in that night, but they couldn't pinpoint anyone. Ashley's friends and family were all interviewed, and the family, of course, has been exonerated. It's important to note that there were a couple of strange vehicles in the neighborhood in the days preceding Ashley's murder. Tammy remembers seeing a large white SUV driving around their neighborhood on multiple occasions. She had seen the SUV so many times that one day while she was driving Ashley to work, she pointed it out to her. This was just a day or two before she was murdered. The people driving the car were Hispanic. In the beginning, this stood out to Tammy because they did know their neighborhood well, and it was predominantly Black. They didn't know any Hispanics that lived there. So it stood out to her when she saw the Hispanic people driving this car multiple times. It stands out, obviously, even more in hindsight because she identified the intruder as Hispanic. There were also a few tips that came in telling the police that they had seen Ashley getting into a blue pickup with an unknown man several times in the months before her murder. The police have not identified the truck, or at least have not said that they have, nor did anyone ever come forward admitting that they were the people who picked up Ashley in that truck. At one point after Ashley's murder, the Love's neighbor sent them a card. It was most likely a sympathy card of sorts, and the neighbor wrote, Hey, just so you're aware, we had seen this suspicious vehicle driving in the neighborhood. Tammy turned the card over to the authorities. That's when police came up with a new theory. The leads were running thin by December, not like there were many to begin with, but despite that, police announced that they were looking for a man that they believed Ashley was seeing on the sly, i.e. the one driving this strange car she'd been seen getting into several times. They held a press conference asking for the public's help in identifying a white man in his mid-20s with a thin build. This man would have driven a mid-2000s American-made blue pickup truck with a pinstripe down the sides. The truck had chrome rims, tinted windows, and raised suspension. Ashley's family was doubtful that she was seeing anyone secretly. Why wouldn't she tell them about it? Her friend Joey told True Crime Daily, They talk about people with double lives and stuff, but Ashley was like way too honest to have a double life. There didn't seem to be anything concerning her in the days before her death either. No one recalls anything unusual. Her best friend Kayla told Journal Centennial, if something was wrong, we would text each other, no matter what it was. I just don't think that something could have been so bad that she wouldn't have texted her best friend. Even her closest friends hadn't heard about a boyfriend. The people who knew all of her secrets were in the dark when police announced this information. Shortly after the police held their press conference to announce the possibility of a, quote, secret friend, Ashley's parents held a press conference of their own. They announced that they were offering a $1,000 reward for information about who could have murdered Ashley. Tammy Love told reporters, Someone somewhere knows something. We're begging them to come forward. This has left our family heartbroken and devastated. We feel like we are in hell and we can't climb out. On the six-month anniversary of Ashley's murder, the Loves announced that they were upping the reward to 5000 
Tammy told the Journal Centennial, it doesn't even seem real. I still think this is a dream and I'm going to wake up. I think that's what I have to do to get by. For several years, Tammy visited Ashley's grave every day. She told the Journal Centennial, I know she's with me, but I do it for me, I guess. I feel like I'm taking care of her and I'm with her. Police weren't just focusing on the mysterious truck and possible, quote, secret friend. They had one other theory. As we've said before, Ashley worked at Arby's. Now, we all know that when you're at a workplace, you're going to have really awesome coworkers and probably some crappy ones too. One of Ashley's coworkers, who we will call Rachel, was one of those crappy coworkers. She had a temper, and one day, her temper was directed at Ashley. During an argument over something, she told Ashley that she would blow her face off. A few weeks later, Ashley had been murdered, and let's not forget, her face was injured. Rachel ended up being fired from Arby's because she had been stealing. Nothing big, a little money here, a little product there, but it was obviously against policy and they had to let her go. It's important to note that Rachel hasn't been named a suspect in Ashley's murder, but that threat and that argument wasn't lost on police. In terms of what's going on in the case today, Kyle Olson, a longtime friend of the loves and best friend to Anthony, Ashley's brother, has taken special interest in her murder. He started the Love and Justice podcast in 2022 in order to bring more awareness to Ashley's case and maybe to help the investigation along so that the family can find closure. For Love and Justice podcast, Kyle teamed up with the Love family, casting director, talent producer, and Brad ambassador consultant Noelle Kane, and 38-year law enforcement veteran Sean Smith to tell Ashley's story in a long-form podcast, and it premiered in October of 2022. Kyle's not just your run-of-the-mill podcaster, though. He's an Emmy-winning producer, director, and storyteller. He's worked with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood and has traveled the world while working on high-ranking productions. He won his first Emmy at 30 and has worked for many television shows, including House of the Dragon, Kevin Hart, Don't F This Up, The Four, America's Next Top Model, Dancing with the Stars, and The Bachelor. Kyle grew up in South Milwaukee and, again, was Ashley's older brother, Anthony's best friend. He also became friends with Ashley since he hung around the Love's house so much. He's considered family to the Love's, and he, too, considers them family. On top of the podcast, Love and Justice, Kyle directed a documentary called Letters to Ashley that was released June of 2014. This documentary showcased how the community rallied around the loves after Ashley was murdered. The community wrote encouraging letters to the family, helping them get through each day after her tragic death. More than 300 letters have been written to the family after Ashley's passing. These letters to Ashley began as a project at Ashley's alma mater high school, and it ended up being a community effort. These letters not only included that support and encouragement, but they were often written by people who knew Ashley personally, and they included stories and memories that her family could cherish forever. The family collected all of those 300 letters, but they didn't open them until the documentary began to film. As the family opened the letters one by one, it became clear how much they missed Ashley and how much the sentiments written in those letters meant to them. The documentary premiered at the Marcus Majestic Cinema. Kyle won the Milwaukee Press Club Award for Best Documentary for the production in 2015. Today, Tammy isn't as sure about who she saw that night. 
Kyle reminds in an interview for another podcast, it's 3 a.m. Tammy had just been awakened. Plus, it's very dark outside. Their street wasn't known for being an incredibly well-lit street by any stretch. Tammy also really struggles without knowing if her memory about the accomplice is the truth. She asked the police to tell her what she told them, but they didn't tell her. Kyle also said in that interview that the family has been isolated from the investigation for years. They're not allowed to see the reports or the documents in the case. As we know, the family has been ruled out as having anything to do with Ashley's death. And Kyle backs this up. He says that it's hurtful when people say they could have been responsible. When asked about the secret friend theory, Kyle responded that that's the million-dollar question. The family has no idea. He goes on to explain that Tammy didn't even know about the secret friend theory until the police announced it at that press conference. After that press conference, when Tammy questions police about it, saying, what do you mean secret friend? They never gave her any more information about it. They didn't explain anything to her. The family knows that investigators have Ashley's social media logins and her text messages. In that same podcast interview, Kyle wondered, if there's proof of a secret friend, police would definitely have it. So why wouldn't they show that proof to anyone? Wouldn't they want to say, here's the secret friend, please let us know if you know more about him? Instead, they give a vague description of who the person is. Love and Justice podcast has talked with all of the friends who were close to Ashley. They've had conversations with her parents, her siblings, her closest friends, and even the boyfriends of her closest friends, the people who knew all of Ashley's deepest secrets. Kyle says in that same interview, every single person is like, well, you know, if it was a secret, we certainly weren't hearing about it. It should be noted that Kyle is skeptical that the secret friend even exists, though. The people that he talked to were the ones that Ashley trusted with those types of secrets. Why wouldn't she have told at least one of them? Kyle hopes that the Love and Justice podcast can take some of the tension away from the secret friend theory. He believes that this theory is just as plausible as any theory that has been presented, but he feels like there may be something else that happened. Putting too much emphasis on this theory might hinder the investigation. When Kyle was asked about Rachel, the crappy coworker, and the threat to Ashley, he said, it's possible that Rachel's statement was an unlucky coincidence, or maybe there's more to the story. But as of right now, whether there's any merit in her statement remains to be seen. The Love and Justice podcast has done a lot for the case, and they have a theory of their own. The podcast has been doing some of their own digging, and they found that Ashley was going to some parties with some kids at school. The kids at these parties drank alcohol and smoked weed. Kyle thinks that no one is talking about these parties because they don't want to rat themselves out for things that happen during these events. They may not want their friends to know what went on there. Truthfully, though, nothing happened at these parties is going to make any difference now. It's been years, and nobody cares if you smoked a little weed or drank a little bit of alcohol in high school or just after graduation. Kyle feels like there may have been something else happening there, though. He says that whenever anyone from the podcast interviews people who attended these parties, people just stop talking. He explains, the conversation will go completely fine until they get to talking about a party. Then the person will completely shut down. Suddenly, everybody's mind just goes blank, and everybody has nothing to say, and people are talking in two, three-word sentences. It's definitely an area of suspicion and high concern for us when we talk about this case as kind of a whole. 
Again, we've all had the party experience, especially in high school or right after. Someone's parents go out of town for a few days. The kids are home, so they decide to throw a party. Most of the time, these are just kids being kids. However, it does need to be questioned if there was something more to these parties. In an episode of Love and Justice, Kyle talks about an incident that happened just after Ashley got home from one of the parties. She texted a friend, text me as soon as you read this. went down. Don't tell anyone, just text me like now. The friend couldn't recall what that text was about or what Ashley said went down at the party. This friend may think whatever it is, it wasn't all that big of a deal. Maybe it seemed like it was just something silly at the time, so not very memorable. It's hard to ignore, though, that this incident is suspicious since it happened not long before she was murdered. Ashley's case does remain unsolved, but there are some things we can all do. Ashley's family continues to try to bring awareness to her case. They've gone on national crime shows and worked with organizations like Project Cold Case. They've built a Cold Case Files book. Tammy has become a motivational speaker, and she advocates for families of victims. Of course, they've also all worked closely with Kyle Olson to produce Love and Justice and the Letters to Ashley documentary. There have also been vigils and fundraisers held to help Ashley's case. In June of 2012, Ashley's case was classified as cold. There have been several detectives looking into it, but no one has come up with any new information, or at least released it. In 2017, detectives working on the case told True Crime Daily that they still don't have a motive for Ashley's murder. One of them said, I think when you've had a crime like this, you don't know for sure what their motive is until they explain it. When the 10th anniversary of Ashley's murder came around in 2019, Kyle asked Tammy if there was anything else he could do to help the loves find justice for Ashley. At that point, Tammy said she was running out of ideas. The family had done everything they could think of to keep the case public and moving forward. That's when Kyle suggested a podcast, and Love and Justice was born. Kyle says in regards to Love and Justice in an interview, our kind of secret mission statement was never to solve Ashley's case. Our mission statement is to raise awareness and to, for lack of a better term, kick as many hornets' nests as possible to get people talking about it so hopefully this can get solved. He's hoping that people will find the courage to come forward and say, well, maybe I should say this one thing that I didn't talk about years ago. He says that love and justice hasn't brought in any major tips, but helpful tips have been trickling in and that means the world for the family and for the case. Kyle also told the Milwaukee Journal Centennial, the podcast coming out now gave us the opportunity to dive deeper than we ever imagined so that we could really put together the full story. This is really the first time that we've had an opportunity to tell Ashley's story in full from start to finish. Love and Justice, again, was released in 2022 and there are 10 episodes. It's a complete look at her life and her murder. Tammy is desperate for more information on her daughter's death. She's hoping that the podcast will encourage those that have been harboring information to come forward and help solve Ashley's murder. She believes that it's the last thing that people can do for her on this earth. She told the Milwaukee Journal Centennial that she believes that whoever did this knew the family and targeted Ashley specifically. Tammy has no idea why Ashley would be the target of such violence, though. The secret friend theory just doesn't seem that plausible to Tammy. She says that, yeah, it's possible, but she doesn't think it's likely. As this case remains cold and unsolved, the best way to help is to share Ashley's story like we're doing with this podcast today. 
share this episode, share the Love and Justice podcast, and talk about Ashley with anyone that you can, especially if they live in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, or the Midwest. Encourage others to talk about her as well. You can also support the family by joining the Justice for Love Facebook group. It's compiled photographs and memories of Ashley's, and they're updated often to keep her story alive. You can also watch Letters for Ashley for free on Vimeo. We have the link in our show notes. It's a somewhat short documentary. It's about 23 minutes or so. And it is a beautiful tribute to Ashley through these letters that loved ones and the community wrote to her, read aloud by her family and some friends and loved ones. Again, make sure you check out the Love and Justice podcast. Lastly, there is a $12,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest in regards to Ashley's murder. Do not be afraid to give information. You can remain anonymous. Anyone with any information is encouraged to contact the Milwaukee Police Department at 414-935-7360. You can also submit any tips at loveandjustice.com. In regards to submitting a tip at loveandjustice.com, Kyle says, obviously, we will be passing that information along to the authorities if something viable comes in. Ashley's memory lives on, and her mother does love to talk about her life, her accomplishments, and who she was. She feels that by doing this, she can breathe life into her daughter that she misses every day. The family moved out of the house on Milwaukee 64th Street soon after Ashley had been murdered. Rightfully so, they couldn't manage the pain of knowing that she was murdered right there in that house. It didn't feel like home anymore to them. Ashley may not have known what she wanted to be when she grew up, but that doesn't mean that she didn't have plans and dreams. She loved her family. She loved her friends. She loved life. And those are all the things that she leaves behind. Make sure you follow us at the Murder Diaries Pod on TikTok and Instagram and check out the Murder Diaries Podcast.com. We just released some really cute new merch. So go check it out. Thank you so much for listening. And until then, stay safe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.